even with that defense being great, at some point they're going to get in the shootout. He's a great coordinator, not a great head coach. I think there's one thing we're all saying for a fact. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Goal Line Podcast. I'm your host Patrick Cipher, also known as No Huddle NFL on TikTok and Instagram. That is No Huddle NFL with no capitals and no spaces. Also available on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, at No Huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces with an underscore at the end. That is again at No Huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces with an underscore at the end. Today I have a very special episode for you guys, not just because we are finally getting to that point in the season where teams are losing games and there's not nine teams that haven't lost yet also because we have one of my favorite guests to have on dom how are you doing today oh patrick i'm elated to be on here man i mean i've already done the week four predictions i just i'm very happy to have the opportunity to talk about this at length it's always a pleasure getting on here with you the discussions are great we don't always agree which i love i love talking to people that aren't yes men so this should be an awesome episode and of course, it's a pleasure to have you on. I think a lot of the people that have been listening to the podcast for a long time, or even if you haven't been listening to that to the podcast for that long, I imagine they probably are familiar with you. I think it's consistently a great episode when you're on. So let's just jump right into it with the Thursday night game, one that I'm pretty excited for. Packers playing against Detroit in Green Bay. What do you think? So this is a tough one because I have been a strong advocate for Jordan Love. Like this entire, the off season going into the season, I made a YouTube video about him. I love Jordan Love. And that's no pun intended, literally. I think he's great. I think that this team is a lot better than people anticipated them to be. However, the Lions, the Lions, man, they are something special. Seriously. Like, yes, like last week they came out against an offense in the Atlanta Falcons that we thought was going to, you know, we thought Bijan was going to cook a lot more than he did. We, we thought they were going to come out and play a much better game. And this defense played lights out. Jared Goff looks very comfortable behind the pocket. The run game looks pretty decent. The wide receivers, even without Jamison Williams, look great. So I'm leaning towards the Lions right now, and I picked the Lions this week. But the Packers are also a force to be reckoned with. So I look at this game, and this is one where I really thought after last year, the Lions were really going in the right direction. During the offseason, they were only building to be a better football team. Meanwhile, Green Bay, you look at how their offseason went, you thought that they would be a worse team. So, without a doubt, you would think, at least pre-game, trying to predict it, a lot of people would be taking the Detroit Lions. And a lot of people are. But it is very surprising, at least to me. Maybe you were much more of a Jordan Love believer than I was, and I wasn't necessarily low on the guy. But I did not expect Green Bay to be the team that they are at this current point in time. And it it really amazes me how they're able to approach the game with this balanced offense that I think has been working really well for them. LaFleur has done a great job, and he's always been a really good offensive mind he hasn't really gotten the respect he deserves in a while but he is a key reason that this team is where it is right now he's a key reason why I probably have Green Bay not just winning this game winning it by 
a comfortable margin. I'm not saying they're going to blow them out, but I could absolutely see Green Bay going out there and taking advantage of some holes in this Detroit defense. For me, the big difference in this game is going to come down to which quarterback can really elevate their, let's be honest, mediocre rosters to that next level. And while I think Detroit has some playmakers, has some talent, has a really good offense in mind in Ben Johnson, I'm yet to be wowed by them this season. I really am. And that defense, yeah, they had a nice game against Atlanta last week, but I don't love it. I think it's average, but I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Love goes out there, guns blazing, they go out to an early 10-0 lead going into the second quarter. I, I wouldn't be surprised either. I'll be honest with you. I think the Packers have the opportunity to come out and win this game. The problem with this is, is the short week for me. Is, is Matt LaFleur going to have enough time to cook enough stuff up to get Jordan Love those easy throws? Also, the wide receiver talent there isn't particularly great. I know that a lot of these guys have played really well, especially Reed. Um, he had a great week last week. Romeo Dobbs looks like he's getting better with every single game he's playing. So that's the thing that concerns me the most. But Aaron Jones is likely to play tomorrow, which is something to consider as well. But I don't think that you're necessarily wrong in that assumption. I think that it's just the short week combined with the fact that the Lions' defensive front is a force to be reckoned with. And not that the Packers' own line isn't solid. I, I feel like it's solid every year. It's just if, if you're going to be able to reset the line of scrimmage with your defensive tackles, Elite McNeil, the unsung hero of this defense, is going to be a good run stopper for them. If they could come out and and control the game and force some second and longs, third and longs, I don't know if Jordan Love's going to be able to overcome that with the current receiving talent that's on this team. That's not to say that he can't do it, but that's just where my mindset was at. But you're right. The off-schedule playmaking of Jordan Love throws a wrench in this. Desmond Ritter could not do that last week. Jordan Love, though, has that ability. So tell me this, because maybe you're higher on this Detroit secondary than I am, but for me, that weakness in the Green Bay receiver core, which I'll acknowledge there definitely is weaknesses there, can't really ta be taken advantage of by this Detroit defense because, I mean, you look at their cornerbacks right now, they have Cameron Sutton as the cornerback one, and then after him, it's Jerry Jacobs and Stephen Gilmore. I mean, say what you want about Romeo Dobbs, and I'm pretty sure that... Gun not Gonzalez, Watson is going to be back for this week. <laughs> yeah, That yes, should be a favorable matchup for Green Bay. Should it not? Well, it depends. So their defensive coordinator, Aaron Glenn, has done a much better job this season. He previously would put the corners in a lot of difficult positions in order to make up for other things that they lacked on the defensive side of the ball. But when you're controlling the game from the line of scrimmage and you can afford to put an extra DB out there, a Brian Branch type guy, I understand that T.J. Gardner-Johnson's out for the season as well. But when you can afford to put an extra DB on the field, that's going to save you a lot in coverage. They can sit in quarters coverage now and kind of play catch. So it's I don't think that the, the corner talent or the DB talent of the Lions is enough to, to shut down this receiver core. It's more so the front four getting to the quarterback and are they going to be able to run effectively and stay on schedule on first and second down? 
that's more where my mindset was at. But you're right. I, I, I don't think that the receivers have their work cut out for them, so to speak, um, in this game. But I do think that uh, they're, they're on par with each other. This secondary is not as bad as I think people want to say it is, even though a lot of these guys are no-names. But I also don't think this, this receiver core is as bad as people think as well. So it'll be an interesting matchup. I like that we have different picks for this as well. I'm still going to stick with the Lions, obviously. I'm real, I, I placed a bet for them like about an hour ago. <laughs> Um, minus two and a half. <laughs> um, I'm also hammering the under on this game. I think it'll be more of a defensive battle than people think. Because this Packers defense is legit, too. I want to you know, shine some light on that a little bit, even though they've had their ups and downs the first three weeks. Um, but they really showed up in a couple of big moments, especially in the second half against the Saints last week. So um, it should be a great game, especially a divisional matchup. Yeah, and like both of us have pretty much been hinting towards repeatedly, these are two teams that are really, really evenly matched. Let's be honest, this game is going to have major playoff implications down the line. We all aren't really thinking much about that right now because we're in week four. But, I mean, Green Bay isn't any slouch. I know LaFleur isn't planning on taking the season off. And Detroit has been building up to this playoff berth for a long time. Having this on primetime television was a great decision. And maybe we'll actually have an entertaining game on Amazon, it seems like. Is there anything well, else you want Well, this will be the best Thursday night game. I've been saying this all week. This will be the best Thursday night game that we've had. I mean, I understand that the Chiefs-Lions game was entertaining to open the season. But I firmly believe since Amazon made that purchase, this will be the best. They're going to get their money's worth. Um, especially when you consider the Vikings are on three, the Bears are on three. This is for the division. This is, um, like you said, it's going to have a lot of implications on playoffs that I don't think we can even fully comprehend right now. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm all bought in on this game. I'll be eating popcorn watching this tomorrow night. Should be a good one, and I'm following that that game up with another game that I'm personally am very optimistic for as someone that likes Atlanta a lot but also really likes Jacksonville who do you have winning this game between the Falcons and the Jacksonville Jaguars the game is in Jacksonville this is one that I I'm excited for it you might not be I know not as many people are as are as high on Atlanta as I am but listen I think it should be an exciting one so this is looking like another one we're going to disagree on. First of all, this game's in London. Mm -hmm. um, so it is Jacksonville's technically home, home field advantage. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it's overseas. So jet lag, huge factor um, that I think a lot of people aren't fully able to comprehend. But this is a team that's accustomed traveling overseas. They do this every year. They're going to be in London for the next two weeks. They play the Bills the next week. The Jags did not look great last week. I'll be honest with you. They haven't looked great in the first three weeks of the season. But I also think that the Falcons are a product of the first two weeks of the season being a time where you don't have a lot of film on the team that you're playing against, where you know your defense is still trying to get a feel. And so because of that, it's very advantageous when you have a great running game, a three-headed monster in the backfield, and you can come out, you can stay ahead of the sticks. They've looked phenomenal the first two weeks, but last week that performance against the Lions was abysmal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So you got two teams coming off of embarrassing losses right now. My 
logic, I guess, for picking the Jaguars, which that is my pick, I'm taking the Jaguars in London, is you have a more experienced head coach with a Super Bowl ring in Doug Peterson. He's familiar with this type of playing. He went to London last year with his team. He understands. He's been, he's been down this road before. Trevor Lawrence, although he has not been playing like it, is a significantly better quarterback and more talented quarterback than Desmond Ritter. If the coach and the quarterback are better and this team has advantage in terms of understanding the playing field, technically home field territory for them, I'm going to lean towards that team despite the fact that the Falcons could easily win this football game. I'm not going to put a pass on the Jags look like crap. Um, but I'm going to take the Jags because that's just my rationale on this one. Yeah, and that is exactly why I'm a little bit fearful for Jacksonville. But I do really, really apologize for disappointing you when you were saying that we have different results. But I also have the London Jacksonville Jaguars here. Okay, nice, nice. Because they need to bounce back. Last week against a team like Houston, you really, really can't go out there and look like that. You're really going to let a fullback score a kick return touchdown on you this is a team that this is a team that everyone has winning the division this team was considered a lock to win the division and then they look like that they make cj stroud look like joe burrow which by the way i was really high on cj stroud so i'm not complaining but come on you really can't let this happen they really can't play like that they need to bounce back in a big way. I think that they match up well against Atlanta. I do like what you said about them having both the better head coach and the better quarterback. And again, this isn't me knocking Atlanta. I think Atlanta is a good team, like I said, pretty much at nauseum at this point. But the Jags have been good against the run. And let's be honest, the Falcons cannot function without their run game. And like you said, teams have film on them. They know what's the only thing Atlanta wants to do. What is the only way that Atlanta feels comfortable? It's with the ball on the ground. All right. You force Desmond Ritter to win the game with his arm. You probably win that game. And it's not because Desmond Ritter turns the ball over much, but he isn't great at converting those third and tens, those third and eights. Oh, you have to lead the team down the field with two minutes left? Desmond Ritter really isn't going to be the guy to do that for you. AJ Terrell is great and should do a good job on whoever he ends up guarding throughout this game. But the Jags wide receiver core is far deeper than the Falcons corner room. And that is going to be a key part of this matchup. Yeah, and Jesse Bates could be a difference maker in this one because he has been a turnover machine after the over the past couple of weeks. He's the only factor on that defense that I really worry about for the Jags. But the Falcons aren't necessarily a team that defends the run particularly well either. So ETN could have a little bit of a game out of the backfield. The Falcons linebackers aren't necessarily that great. Um, there's so many outlets here. They can't stop Evan Ingram. I'm anticipating that Engram and ETN are going to be the X-Factors in this one, despite the fact that Zay Jones is out there and he's one of the more underrated wide receivers in football. Christian Kirk, a great slot option. I think this will be a very low-key game for Ridley. I think we'll have a few catches on some third downs that will be important, but 
for the most part, I think the guys that'll be eating are the ones closer to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and there's likely a lot of truth to that, but we both have Jacksonville in this one. How about yes, the Ravens yeah. at Browns? Oh, uh, this is a. Uh, I live with a Browns fan, and we've been talking about this all week. I am the Browns by a million this week. Um, the Browns' defense may just be the best defense in football. And although they have lost Nick Chubb, they're still a capable running game. That offensive line is still playing at a very high level. Um, and Kareem Hunt came in, knows the playbook. Um, Jerome Ford looks as advertised. I mean, I'm pretty high on this team. Aside from, as long as Deshaun Watson doesn't do something stupid like he did last week where he was getting sacked and threw the ball backwards five yards, this should be a pretty easy layup win for the Browns in Cleveland. Um, I know that's something crazy coming from an AFC North Divisional matchup, but I uh, the Browns are the much better team. I don't agree with you when you say it's going to be a layup. I don't agree when you say it's going to be easy. I could see this one being a really, really low-scoring game. However, I yes. still have Cleveland winning it. You said it. They probably have the best defense in football. The Ravens' offense still hasn't fully connected in the brains of Lamar Jackson, in the brains of pretty much everyone on that offense. Because I mentioned it so many times now, what Greg Roman used to run, the Greg Roman Baltimore Ravens offense, was completely different from this Todd Munkin offense. It is pretty much the polar opposite. It is so different. Yeah. And that's why they're so rusty at the moment. That's why they've really been struggling to put up major offensive points. I think it's bound to change eventually, but I'm not going to try and predict that change, especially when they're playing against a defense of this caliber. I like the Ravens' defense, and it could absolutely keep them in it. But I'm still taking the Browns here very comfortably, but I do think it will look tighter than it actually is. That's respect. I respect that take. So, is there anything else you want to say about that game? Because I know AFC uh, North rivalry, a lot of people I mean, have, you know, their agendas. I'm just to this in the one o'clock window. That's that's really like this is a game that I would much rather see on a Sunday night than Chiefs Jets, which we'll get to later on in the list, obviously. But the fact that this game, that the NFL schedule makers looked at this game, and like, yeah, we'll just put it at one o'clock. Like, this is must-watch TV. It, if you're watching any game in the 1 o'clock window and it's not Dolphins-Bills, which we'll also get to, or Ravens-Browns, then you're doing something wrong. Or you could just have Sunday Ticket. I, I wish I was sponsored, by the way. The amount of times that I could just absolutely glaze Sunday Ticket. I don't know if you got it. Oh, I have it. Oh, me and my roommates have it, yeah. It works wonders. You put Red Zone on one TV and Sunday Ticket on the other? First off, Sponsor me, YouTube TV, or whoever I have to ask, because I, I will gladly shoehorn these in every episode. But it is amazing. And this way you don't have to worry, oh, do I have to watch the Browns-Ravens game or the Bengals-Titans game? Well, I don't know. Right? I'm just throwing another game out there. Let's just watch all of them. Yeah, exactly. That's what I do. A hundred. <laughs> exactly. It's great. I love it. But speaking Every of monitor. that Bengals-Titans game, 
That's my attempt at a transition. What do you think? Okay, Bengals-Titans. So, Bengals have finally mustered a win. Um, not a pretty one, as Joe Burrow put it at the end of the game, but they have a win on their win column. That's great. Um, the Titans, I was so high on the Titans going into the Browns game last week because I think Mike Rabel's a phenomenal coach. Um, and this is really a team that should get a little bit more respect than it does. I understand the talent's not there. Ryan Tannehill's a mid-tier quarterback at best. Um, but I'm rocking with the Bengals on the road. Um, I just – I can't deny the talents that are T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon runs with a purpose. Um, yeah, the Bengals, although they have not played some of their best football recently, I just – I can't debate the talent. And this Bengals defense is legit, man. This pass rush, if you saw what they did to Matt Stafford, which I'm sure you did, and if the, the viewer has not watched it, just go watch the game highlights. I think it was seven stacks. Um, this D-line is legit. Um, Derrick Henry is going to have a hard time running the football. And with Traylon Burks and DeAndre Hopkins, I know that it's it's a pretty solid receiver group, but th this Bengals defense is tough. And as long as the that Joe Burrow and th this receiver crew and this group of weapons, I guess I should say, can put up somewhere between 17 and 24 points, this should be a win for the Bengals. And listen, this is a Bengals offense that no one expected to start off this slow. Absolutely. Yes. But there was a point during that Rams game, and tell me if you felt differently, but there was like a two straight drive, maybe three straight drive period, and maybe it was early fourth quarter, mid-fourth quarter, maybe it was late third, I'm not exactly sure. But there was a period where they strung together like three or two straight drives where the Bengals looked really good, man, offensively. They did. Yeah. Even with Burrow playing through injury, there was a point where Jamar looked like the old Jamar. And Burrow was looking like the old Burrow. The offensive line was holding up well enough. I mean, how well can you really expect them to play? It's the Bengals O-line. But they were impressive for a period. If they could channel that for even another two or three drives in this tight ends game, I think they're going to be all good. Because like you said, that, that Bengals defense... It wreaks havoc, man. It wreaks havoc. And this is not a Titans offense you feel overly confident in. Well, if you saw what Miles Garrett did last week as any indication, um, Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard are going to have a day. And they have a deep pass rushing group, man. It's, just, it's not just those two. Those are just the premier guys. But Andre Dillard did not start for the Eagles. And now he's starting for the Titans, and it shows. Um, the, the difference is clearly there. Also, Nicholas petit Frere is still out until week six. So they still got a backup right tackle, and um, it's just not a recipe for success for the Titans, but I totally agree. Yeah, and this is a game that, you know, a year ago, two years ago, we all would have been so excited for it. But now it's really one that we look at and we say, the Bengals will win, and they'll win it convincingly, but let's be honest, they're not proving anything to anyone until we really see them pass the eye test. Yeah, they're going to have to pull off a game that's a lot more impressive than this. And if they don't end up winning this game, it's going to be really concerning for the future of their season. But they did start 0-2 last year, so who knows? Well, speaking of teams that are very concerned about their future, despite we go. really only seeming to want to build towards the future, let's talk about these two borderline XFL teams that 
I feel obligated to talk about. Broncos at Bears. How much time do we want to spend on this? <laughs> because I have a lot of thoughts. Go right ahead. Just tell us who's going to suck less. So, it's so hard because... The Chiefs and the Dolphins might be the two best teams in football alongside the Eagles and the Niners. It's really those four and everybody else, right? Um, but neither team looked like they should be competing at this level of football against the competition <laughs> they played last week. It was embarrassing. The Broncos look like chickens with their heads cut off running out there. And the Bears look like they just showed up on Sunday with all of these players that went to college and we're like, all right, guys, okay, you went to Alabama, you went to Penn State, all right, we're all just going to line up and play some football. It's it's abysmal. It's bad. Sean Payton, however, experienced coach, coming off of an embarrassing loss. Russell Wilson is technically the better quarterback. I don't know if I can say that with confidence, <laughs> but on paper he is. Um, I like the Broncos in this matchup. I took the Broncos in this matchup, but I – Honestly, you flip a coin. It's it, flip a coin at this point. I I feel like you should be a little bit more confident in that answer because, yeah, the Broncos lost by 50 points last week. Yeah, there was a play where, I don't know if you've seen the picture, but A-Chain was running and there were just like seven guys on the ground who like missed a tackle on him. Yes. Have you seen that picture from behind? I and I, I call him A Train now. <laughs> that guy, that guy can play football. But yeah, I've seen that. It, trust me, it's it's made the rounds. Yeah, as it should, right? You don't lose a game like that. You don't lose a game by fifty. You don't let up seventy points, and don't get absolutely clowned. For at least the next five years, people are going to be randomly bringing that game up. Oh, the, the Broncos won a Super Bowl in 2028? Eh, well, remember when they lost by 50 points to the Miami Dolphins? Like, that's what they're going to be known for. That is what the Sean Payton-Russell Wilson era of Broncos football is going to be known for. I just hope everyone knows that. Yes. And actually, we were talking a little bit, not to get too off track, in my sports journalism class about how Sean Payton handled this press conference afterwards. And him trying to downplay the fact that this was just another loss in the books and that we're going to hit the tape and that we're going to get back into this. This is something, This, whether, whether it's on paper or not, for the guys in this locker room to look at that scoreboard saying 70 to 20 and to know that one of their only touchdowns came on a special teams return by Marvin Mims, like this is... Not only should they be embarrassed, like a lot of these guys might be hanging up the cleats pretty soon because it's it might be time. Yeah, it makes you question if Sean Payton regrets coming out of retirement. I don't even. Uh, quite frankly, I think he's part of the problem these past couple of weeks, especially after everything he said about Nathaniel Hackett. It just put really bad juju yeah. into the air. Um, but he has as much of a accountability in this as every player that touched the field last Sunday. So. Um, I don't know if I could put him in a category where he's absolved from any of the, um, yeah, from any of the blame in this particular loss. But I'm still going to take them to win. I think that they got so embarrassed that they're going to come out guns a blazing. But 
I don't have anything nice to say about the Bears, so I'll just keep it to myself. I, I find your statements on Sean Payton ironic because he's the reason I have them winning this game. And I feel like he's <laughs> part of the reason for you too. And it's not because it's not necessarily I'm expecting a Sean Payton masterclass. It's I'm Sean Payton. I have a standard to live up to as a potential Hall of Fame head coach. I need to bounce back from that because that is going to be on my mind forever now. I need to at least be able to distract myself by picking apart the Chicago equally bad Bears. Who, by the way, we're doing Bears fans a favor by not talking about them. I, I hope you know that. They're, you should be happy that people are talking more about Taylor Swift coming to that game than they are about the actual game. I agree. Because that was that was an embarrassing performance in its own way. Maybe not quite 70 to 20 embarrassing, but it was definitely an embarrassing performance. Well, to be fair, it could have gotten that bad if Patrick Mahomes had played the entire game and if the Chiefs even I don't even think the Chiefs even considered the Bears in practice that week. I think the Chiefs came out and ran their offense. It was the Matt Nagy um, revenge game. It was the Matt Nagy revenge game, exactly. And I'm sure that he took a lot of pleasure in that win as well. <laughs> but um, I think the Chiefs could have easily hung 70 on this team if they if they even cared. But, um, yeah, just the Bears, man. I got nothing nice to say about the Bears, unfortunately. <laughs> and even Justin Fields, who I really want to be good. But, man, he makes it so hard. He makes it so hard. Well, what do you have to say about a player very similar? to Justin Fields in terms of how raw he is, in terms of how he plays the quarterback position, Anthony Richardson. But the difference is he's looking far more positive at the moment and his matchup with the Colts against the LA Rams. So the Colts last week, to, to our surprise, came out and ended up putting on a very good defensive performance against Lamar Jackson and an offense that really has a lot of talent on it when you think about it. I mean, Zay Flowers is a phenomenal football player. We both knew he was going to be. Um, we had talked about that the entire draft process. Um, but enough about the Ravens. The Colts have exceeded my expectations, to say the least. They even look good against the Jags week one, which was their only loss of the season so far. Um, with that being said, I do like the Rams. I, I think that Matt Stafford being the better quarterback in this scenario and their offense having a multitude of weapons, now just somehow with Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell, kind of concerns me for the Colts. Um, I'm rolling with Sean McVay and the Rams this week, but I do love Anthony Richardson. I do love the way that this team is operating right now, and I'm a Shane Steichen truther, man. I think that he's a great coach, and I think that this Colts team has a bright future, but I, I don't know why. Something is telling me the Rams this week. When I was going through, I thought about this game for a really long time. I slept on it. I just went with the Rams, but I'm sure that you have other thoughts considering how high you are on Anthony Richardson right now. Well, I do like Anthony Richardson. He is my quarterback in men four leagues. How many? He might only be my quarterback in the league where I'm all in three. So you know what? Never mind. I hate Anthony Richardson. But despite whether I like or dislike Anthony Richardson, I still take the Rams here because I'm going to be honest. Sure, when you look at their depth chart, they don't look overly appealing, especially without Cooper Cup. Sure, this is a team that pretty much sold its soul in order in order to win a Super Bowl. 
But I would say they're they're one of the more underrated teams in football right now. Now, they didn't look great in that Bengals game. That's mainly because Matthew Stafford was doing the Matthew Stafford thing. And for those of yes. you that have watched a lot of Matthew Stafford, you know that as high as his highs are, well, his lows aren't equally low, but he has his fair share of lows where it's just yes. what the hell is he doing? Is he Does he think he's playing Madden right now? And if he did think he was playing Madden, was he going to close the application and reload it directly after he threw that ball? Because that was just a prayer. And he does that a fair amount of the time. A lot of the time, it works. And that's why we all think Stafford is so great. And he is very, very good. But there's also the times when it doesn't. And there's also the nights where it consistently doesn't. And that's what that Bengals game was. The Bengals It's almost Farb-esque. Yeah. It's very similar. It is very similar. The Bengals were able to really shut down Nakua, which... How difficult is it to do that? We're, we need to see a little bit more, right? Yeah, I agree. The Bengals were also able to stop Kieran Williams, which also. How difficult is it to do that? We don't really know. But I have confidence in McVay. I think he's going to win Coach of the Year. And while doing that, this Rams team is going to continue to look really good. Even though their defense only has one notable player, they've been doing a good job. They have, and I think it's all Raheem Morris's scheme. That, and you have your fair share of guys who have broken out. Kobe Bryant played really well. The cornerback, I can't remember the name at the moment. You're talking about, um... It's going to drive me crazy. Yeah, let me... They have a good corner that... I looked at and said, oh my God, that's a weakness. But now I'm seeing he's actually pretty damn good at football. Obviously, Aaron Donald's really good. The thing you'll notice they do a lot, they line up with three defensive linemen and then just rush three. They haven't been doing it as much recently. But week one and two, they were really willing to drop eight. And Are are you talking about uh, Darian Kendrick, by the way? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Darian Kendrick has in my opinion, done a really good job this year. I couldn't remember the name for the life of me. He has. He, he's he's exceeded my expectations. Well, I even in the draft process, he kind of slipped my mind, despite the fact that I watched just about everybody. Um, I believe he went to Georgia, too, which is crazy. Um, yeah, he went to Georgia. Yeah, which, he's wow. done. He has done a good job this year as a cornerback. And the pass rush has consistently got home. How much of that is just Aaron Donald? I don't really know. How much of that really matters? I don't really know. But this is a Colts line that hasn't been amazing. This is a Colts quarterback who, I mean, he's raw. And he's shown some ability. But Raheem Morris has been around the league. He's a veteran. He knows how to stop a mobile quarterback. And we're yet to see what Anthony Richardson looks like when you force him to stay in the pocket. At least in the NFL. I I like the Rams here, and I like them a lot. Well, I'm glad that we both agree upon that because I was a little nervous that you were going to roll with the Colts. But, um, but yeah, I'm right there with you on the Rams. So, we have yet another division rivalry the Dolphins are playing against the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo 
How do you feel? Finns are going to win this one by at least a touchdown. Um, just Buffalo, I respect them as a football team. I respect Sean McDermott as a coach. Josh Allen, top five quarterback. They have the foundational pieces. But this Dolphins offense is way too dynamic. The run scheme that Mike McDaniel has put together for this group with a very deep group of running backs, I should add, is it's beyond impressive. Um, this is the best team in football right now. And I think the Bills have their work cut out for them going into this week. They have defended the run particularly well, but they also haven't played a lot of great run schemes, a lot of great run games. But I'm going to take the Dolphins in this game by, yeah, probably by seven, probably in like a, a 42 to 35 victory. Um, I know that's a lot of points, but I think Josh Allen will keep them in it for the most part. Well, so here is my concern. And I guess we have seen Buffalo kind of try and change their ways. But we know what their identity is as a football team. They want to throw the ball, and they want to throw it far down the field. Vic Fangio is the, like, CEO of not allowing big plays. It's him and Gus Bradley as, like, the guys to prevent big plays. He'll run quarters. He'll run quarter, quarter, half. He will make sure that you don't throw the ball downfield. He makes sure that everyone on that defense knows how to defend deep passes down the field. For the Bills to win this one, they're going to have to somehow stop that Dolphins offense that has been the hottest in all of football. And overall, this Dolphins team has been the hottest in all of football. While also having Josh Allen play more conservative, play more of this you know, dink and dunk style of football. And it's something he's capable of doing, but it it takes him a lot of a lot of self-control to not just chuck it down there. And I think Fangio and this defense are gonna really bait him into that. Well, especially because the offense is gonna play so much complimentary football for the Finns that the Bills are always gonna feel like they're playing from behind. Regardless even if they have a lead. For that you know they're going to want to keep their foot on the gas and it's not that this Dolphins offense is supremely talented it's just that okay you have competent pass rushers you have a great scheme like you said I love the the quarter quarter half by the way that Vic Fangio runs I think it's it, it takes so much pressure off the DBs um yeah they're gonna have to they're gonna have to run the ball like they did last week against the commanders James Cook had a particularly good game um but I can't really see the Bills being able to to overcome a great offense and a really well-schemed defense. It's just, it's not a recipe for success in my eyes. Yeah, this is one where I get it. The Bills are the Bills, but I think the Dolphins should be overwhelming favorites in this one. I do, I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means, but I find it really hard to believe that Buffalo will win this one. I do. I agree. I totally agree. And again, I'm not saying they're going to be blown out, but it's ju I just don't see it happening. And I guess I didn't see the Cardinals beating the Cowboys, but... I could have seen that. I definitely really? As an NFC East person. Well, I mean, we'll get to that. We'll get to the Cardinals and the Cowboys, so I'll save my thoughts on that for a little bit. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> um, well, for now, let's yeah, just talk about that thriller with the Minnesota Vikings against the Chargers from last week. 
I want to talk about the Vikings-Panthers matchup, but the more exciting thing about this is going to be talking about that Vikings game from last week. Yes, it was uh, the Vikings game, one of the more entertaining games I've watched, especially from two teams that have yet to secure a win um, at that point in the season. Um, we all knew this was going to be a shootout. I mean, two defenses that couldn't cover a penny with a blanket. Um, and then you've got two quarterbacks who, no matter win or loss, are going to put up a crazy stat line with their receivers and whatnot. Also, for the record, um, Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, still dogs, regardless of the fact that they're 0-3, which is why I have them winning this game. Great segue. Um, but the Panthers can't stop these two. And although the running game has been suspect, to say the least, Alexander Madison cannot hold on to the football to save his life, which is not worthy of sending him death threats, by the way, to all of you social media people out there. But um, the, the Vikings are going to cook. And the Panthers, although they came out last week, and Andy Dalton was really steering the ship, man. I mean, talk about Adam Thielen coming out and having another career performance. Now playing his former team, which I'm starting him in fantasy this week. For all of you people that are fantasy football players, start Adam Thielen against his former team. He's going to eat this Vikings defense. Again, bad secondary. Just trust that he's going to have 20-plus points. But Panthers, they're going to probably fall to 0-4 here, and I'm going to take the Vikings to get their first win. Can't cover a penny with a blanket. That's a new one. Yeah, it's my new saying. I, I created it out of thin air when I was in one of my weekly predictions, and I was like, I like that. I'm going to start saying it. I give you so much credit for that. One's amazing. That that's one of the better sayings I've heard in a long time. But yeah, I mean, I agree. Vikings win this one. Let's be honest. If you don't have the Vikings winning this one. You probably have too much confidence in the Panthers. I've been saying Andy Dalton is the most underrated quarterback in the league all offseason. And so far, he has only proved me right. I expect him to continue to do that. But in terms of Adam Thielen, specifically, because he is one of the key players that I wanted to talk about here, I am a little bit worried about how he might perform just because you think about this Vikings defense and what happened last week as they played really soft coverage despite being really aggressive in terms of blitzing and the thing you got to keep in mind is that the chargers have keenan allen and keenan allen is really 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 good even though he's old he is really good at one specific thing right now and that specific thing is abusing soft defenses hence why he had 18 catches and over 200 yards if the Vikings try and do that again, I understand why, according to CBS Sports, 12% of people are picking the Panthers here. But I really like to assume after letting Keenan Allen have a prime Jerry Rice-esque game, I like to imagine they're not just going to try the same exact thing with another receiver that, despite his age, is really good at abusing soft coverages. Well, that's exactly why I've been giving out all this fantasy advice, because I've been seeing the same exact thing. And it's not that I don't think the Vikings will make adjustments, but at what point are you really going to... If we've seen it for three weeks now, it's become a pattern, right? Devontae yeah. Smith, great at abusing soft coverages, has three catches, but you would think he had 14 with how many yards he put up, and adding a touchdown to that total as well. Um, week in and week out. Keenan Allen, like you mentioned. Adam Thielen's just another one of those guys. 
impeccable route runner going to find holes in that defense. And the Vikings just don't have the talent on the back end. I really thought that the Byron Murphy acquisition was going to be more um, – I moved the needle more than I thought it would. But, uh, yeah, I just – it's going to be higher scoring. And, and I'm taking the over on this game as well. I think the Panthers will put up quite some points. I'm not worried about it for this week specifically, but Flores really needs to kind of put his ego aside and just realize he can't be as aggressive as he once was. He doesn't have the personnel to do it. He's trying to blitz people, but still have their corners playing like eight yards back. It's not working. You gotta, you gotta at least a little bit pump the brakes. And he hasn't. I really think the Vikings are going to have to make that change sooner or later. Hopefully, yep. it's in this game. So, yeah, Vikings should win in a shootout for sure. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm really hoping it doesn't end up being a shootout because if Ryan Flores continues to make the same mistake again, I'm going to go insane. But whatever. It is very possible that he just continues to be stubborn. Steelers at Texans. How do you feel? Okay, so Texans, man. C.J. Stroud is as advertised. This kid's the truth. Um, he's a hell of a football player, and I want to give him his credit. But Mike Tomlin, he's a seasoned veteran head coach. Um, the Jags defense, although they're very good at stopping the run, not a very good team in coverage. And fortunately for their matchup this week, they won't have to worry too much about that. But the Texans can air out the football. But the Steelers, great pass rush, which I think that this Texans O-line is going to experience some issues with, although they have Laramie Tunsil, Titus Howard's pretty solid. Kenyon Green, who I liked a few years ago, also a really solid player. The, that um, O-line's injured is the is the big thing that you got to yeah. keep in mind. Shaq Mason, I believe, won't be playing. Well, it's him. Titus Howard isn't playing. Okay. And neither is Kenyon Green. Wow. So the – Okay. So even more of a reason to roll with the Steelers. I'm rolling with the Steelers this week. Um, their offense hasn't looked particularly great, but the Texans' defense hasn't really moved the needle for me either. It's going to be a low-scoring game, in my opinion. I think the pass rush for the Steelers will have somewhere between three sacks and however many you can imagine in this game. T.J. Watt's going to cook. Um, Alex Highsmith is going to cook. Even the guys on the interior are going to get theirs. Um and then the Texans' defense, although well-coached, I think D'Amico Ryan's is doing the best with the hand that he's been dealt. Um, is just not going to be able to, to to keep these guys under wraps for too long, especially if you're playing with short field positions. There's going to be a lot of punts from inside the 20. There's going to be a lot of times where they're backed up because of these sacks. Um, and I think that makes all the difference this week. Stingley going down was such a killer, too. I mean, yeah. this is a team that's really up there in terms of injuries. you got to feel really bad. You do. All the injuries on the O-line. Juice Scruggs, Kenyon Green. Laramie Tonsil was out for a period of time. Titus Howard. That sucks. You hate to see all that stuff on a young offensive line that was really built during this offseason with the idea of protecting this quarterback. Now, C.J. Stroud has really proved that he could do way more under pressure than anyone thought. The big knock on him was that he isn't overly capable under pressure. But so far, he has shown hey, I can make these throws with pressure in my face. However... The receivers have been, have been much better for that for that token as well. But. That's a big thing too. Absolutely. Tank Dell. 
Nico Collins. Those guys have really been putting in work. But there's a difference between just getting pressure and getting TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith on you. There's a big difference there. It's no longer just, oh, you know, young Trayvon Walker or Josh Allen coming at me. Ah, it's the best, not the best, but one of the best edge rushers in the NFL. Along with the absolute animal that is Alex Highsmith. Then you have the freak of nature Keanu Benton on the interior. It's it's a different story, right? Who we, we loved coming out of Wisconsin for the yeah. record. Both yeah, of, of course. It's a different story. It's a different story. Because, yeah, Stroud was trying to make these throws while under pressure. And again, it's something we didn't see him do much of in college. Something a lot of people were worried about his ability to do in the NFL. So far, he's done a good job. But this is really going to be a test for that. It really is. If C.J. Stroud can do this, though, if C.J. Stroud can really execute under this type of pressure, they could win. They absolutely they should win. This Steelers offense, it, it isn't good. It isn't. I don't care about how many points they scored That's last putting week. putting it lightly, yeah, Patrick, it's, <laughs> it's a bad unit. It, it, thank you. I'm glad because I, I should have exaggerated that more. They are a bad offense. They've been a bad offense for a while now. Ever since they lost the Killer Bees, they've been a bad offense. Yeah. Now it's at one of their lowest. It's it's an offense that I really struggle to believe can beat Houston if Houston can put up 30 points. Like, yeah, that's probably the game. And Stroud is very capable of doing that. He did it against Jacksonville. I could see him doing it again. So are you taking the Texans is what you're saying? I'm not. But I am saying oh. it's extremely possible. <laughs> it I is. I wish I had the balls. Trust me. I love CJ Stroud. And I wish I had the balls to bank on him and all 165 pounds of Tank Dell. But I, I really do struggle to just because of the injuries on that O-line. And... Again, he, he has proven he can do better under pressure than he's shown in college. But, again, it's a different it's a different story when you're playing against this pass rush, specifically. It's one of the most scary pass rushers in the NFL, if not the most. Yeah, and it takes a lot of pressure off of the secondary. I know the secondary isn't phenomenal, um, but Minka is on the back end. And this is a group that will take advantage of a young quarterback trying to get that ball out quickly. Um, and when you can sit and cover four, and these guys can play on their heels and then just buzz their feet and go down and make a tackle or go down and jump a slant route, um, it's just a young quarterback under pressure. You really cannot, you, you really can't bank on him having a great performance, unfortunately. And that's any young quarterback. That's not just Stroud. Um, that's any of these guys. So pass rush is going to be a factor, probably the determining factor in this game, at least according to both of us. Yeah, I mean, you love it when a game is like this, being determined by the guys in, bet- in between the tackles. Oh, it's a good little – I like that. Speaking of between the tackles, can I do a little transition here? I, I should have I let you do it to start. That's my bad. No, I kind of want to throw the okay. Speaking of great performance in the trenches, I would like to throw my Philadelphia Eagles versus the Commanders into this. Oh, I thought that you wanted to plug your social media. 
<laughs> oh no no no! Oh, screw that. I mean, yeah. Who, who needs clout? Eight. Eleven. <laughs> who needs clout? We got football. Yeah. I don't do. I don't do it for the clicks. I do it for the love of the game. All right, football's but... played on grass. <laughs> <laughs> Your Philly boys go right at them. Yeah, my Philly boys. All right. Um, I'm not gonna sugarcoat this. The Eagles' defensive line is gonna cook. Jalen Carter will probably get his first full sack of the season. Uh, finally, because this kid has been playing some of the best football I've seen from a rookie in a very long time. The D-line's going to cook. The offensive line is going to manhandle this defensive front in Washington, which is saying something because I love all four of the guys that they have lined up there. But if their performance against the Bills last week is any indication, the Eagles should run for a lot. I mean, the Bills' offensive line and James Cook looked like they were the Eagles out there against um, on Monday night against the Buccaneers. DeAndre Swift will get plenty of touches. Rashad Penny will finally see some action. The Eagles win this one very convincingly. Yeah, I mean, the Commanders have a strong D-line. Sure. But Philly has a stronger O-line. Yes. The Commanders' O-line isn't very good. Philly's D-line is Philly's D-line. So, I don't know if you heard, but Chris Sims was on the record recently saying that the Philly O-line this year is one of the greatest O-lines of all time, and the Philly D-line this year is one of the greatest D-lines of all time. And I don't know if I take it that far. I don't know if I take it to that extent, but they are really damn good on both sides of the ball on the line of scrimmage. I mean, that's clearly what this team is built on. And I'll tell you, Patrick, I've... And I, and I do not sugarcoat this. I've been very pessimistic about the rest of the Eagles this season. Like, I think the back end of our defense is a huge liability. I think the linebacker position is a problem. I think that we don't have things figured out in the passing game with the new offensive coordinator. But the reason that we have been 3-0 and through the first three weeks is because we're winning in the trenches in both facets of the game. And that is the lifeblood of this team. They are carrying this team to victory every single week. And football is one up front. Football in the sense that we know it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is going to be – it's going to be a dominant performance in the trenches from the Eagles, to say the least. Yeah, and it's been that all season, right? It's been yes. that all season, like you said. I do agree. There have been other aspects of that team that have been kind of lackluster, but I don't think that's going to be exploited against the commanders of all teams. I mean – I do remember the last time we said that they ended up having their first loss of the season, but I like to hope it won't be the same song and dance again. If you want to knock on wood for yourself right there, feel free. But as someone that isn't yeah, an Eagles fan, as someone that isn't an Eagles fan, you know, I'll uh, I'll have fun speaking that into existence. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, Eagles win. I think we can move on. Uh, yeah, if, if you're <laughs> absolutely, there's not. Listen, I don't think we had to explain much. Sam Howell hasn't done much to really make us think he could beat this Philly team. The Buccaneers at the Saints. How do you feel about this? Uh, the Saints are a team that even when Tom Brady was on the Buccaneers, they've had their number. And let's not forget, when Sean Payton left, that coaching staff stayed exactly the same because Dennis Allen is there. Mm-hmm. Um I think the Saints will come out and win this football game. Derek Carr's status is still unknown. I, believe. I thought he was ruled out. Okay, so he is ruled out. He was questionable earlier in the week, but I just wanted to double-check with you. 
Um, they didn't have a full report on him yet, at least with the medicals. I'll double but, check on that as you're going. I was under the impression he was out, though. Yeah. But Jameis Winston revenge game, then, if that's the case. And I'm going to take Jameis and the boys. Um, I think the well, Saints are going to win this game. It's going to be close, um, especially with the Buccaneers coming off that loss. I think they'll come into this with some fire under them. Um, but I, I see the Saints winning this one at home. I, they just have whatever – for whatever reason, they have their number. Um, so I think the Saints will come out play play very good football. Um, it'll be, you know, a close game. It'll be like a 21-17 to 17 type game. But I think in the end, New Orleans comes out with the victory at home. So Carr is still considered questionable, but a lot oh, okay. of people – like the, the heavy belief is that Jameis is the starter. I made my prediction assuming that the Saints were going to start Jameis Winston, and as a result – I have the Buccaneers winning this one, actually, because last week, despite the other team not game planning for him, the offense got nothing when he came into the game. They could do absolutely nothing when Jameis Winston came in. If Jameis Winston starts again, this offense is as good as dead, and I know he has an entire week to practice with them. That's great, and that's sick, and maybe they'll be able to get 14 points because of that. But this is a Buccaneers team that is better than people expected. They really are. Now, I'm not saying they're the greatest thing since sliced bread, but Baker has had a good season. Mike Evans is doing a really good job just catching the ball and making plays. The defense has done its job. Devin White is someone that so many people have been calling overrated for what feels like years. And now, he's actually playing up to that hype. Yeah. I do want to include, though, that Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean are out. So yeah, they're and starting two. Yeah, um, yeah, for the Buccaneers. So they're missing both of their starting corners um, after playing the Eagles. So that was really what moved the needle for me, is that other than Antoine Winfield Jr., this secondary's got nobody. Yeah. Nobody. And, and this Kalaji is a Kanti's out. This is a Saints receiver core where you, you really need to have all your guys, right? Well, You, you have Rashid exactly. Shahid, Michael yeah. Thomas, and Chris Olave. That's a Olave. scary trio. So yeah. I, I'm not disagreeing with you there. That is definitely something big for the Saints. Yeah, and I think that's what really moves the needle here. It's like Jameis Winston by no means is going to be the X factor of this game, but Jameis Winston unregulated – you know, other than the pass rush of the Buccaneers and the linebackers who are pretty solid in coverage, I'll give them credit for that. Um, he's going to be able to throw the ball at will. And I'm sure that this this offense, uh, like this coordinator, I actually don't know who the Saints offense coordinator is, which bad on me, I should go know that. Um, I'm sure they're going to scheme up a lot of easy throws for Jameis. Also, Camaro returns. That's another thing that we have to consider. Alvin Kamara coming back, adding to that run game. Um, and then whoever they had last week come in for the Saints, in the first half, he played lights out. I forget who that was. I didn't even know he existed until that game against the Packers. Um, but it wasn't Jamal Williams, and it wasn't Tony Jones. It was somebody completely new. So the Saints can come out. They can run the football, have some easy throws for Jameis. Saints defense comes out and puts on a, another performance like they normally do, which is normally pretty solid, I should add. Um, I'm feeling a, a win for the Saints. At home, too. The Saints OC, by the way, he... I just double-checked it because I thought I knew who it was, and I was right. 
but you honestly don't hear his name much because he's been there forever. Pete Carmichael has Pete been there Carmichael. since 2009. Yeah, well, that's not your fault. No one talks about him because he was overshadowed by Sean Payton for so long. Then Sean Payton left, and then it was like, oh, shit. Uh, I guess they have an offensive coordinator still, but I don't even know if he remembers to show, into, show up into work because, well, let's be honest, the Saints offense hasn't played well, one, and two, he's just so used to being carried by one of the greatest offensive minds in the history of the sport in Sean Payton. And maybe I shouldn't be saying yeah. carried because for all we know, he could be doing a very good job, but at the moment, it doesn't really look like it. Hopefully, Kamara is a big spark for them. I don't think Kamara's really been that same guy for a while now, but... Hopefully he proved me wrong in this game. I, yeah. He can well, be a difference maker. Even if they can get three or four plays of old Kamara, even if they can get one slip screen that he takes for 15 yards, it's going to be it's gonna be a factor in this game. So, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. I like that we have a little bit of a different perspective on this because I do think Jameis Winston could easily come out and throw five interceptions um, and <laughs> make this a disaster class for the Saints. But – for now, I will roll with the Saints just because I think they're the better football team. Yeah, but it, it's not even really the picks. It's just last week he came in and, and just did nothing. Yeah. If Carr's in... reason they lost. If <laughs> Carr plays, which, again, very possible, I was under the impression that it wasn't possible, so thank you for inspiring me to look that up. <laughs> but if Carr plays, they, they win. And I feel very confident in saying that but with no Derek Carr with Jameis Winston playing I, I don't I don't feel that way at all I really don't yeah Raiders at Chargers how much do you have the Chargers winning by um currently it's 17 points um the Raiders are no good they're no good no sir um, and, I, and I knew this even after they beat the Broncos because people were like oh look at the Raiders I I, I know a Raiders fan personally he was like, yeah, man, the Raiders might have something. No, they don't. <laughs> uh, the Chargers are still one, a top five most talented team in football. Let's not sugarcoat it. Even with Mike Williams out, this receiving core has so many dynamic playmakers. And Quentin Johnson is, is slowly becoming his own. Um, Joshua Palmer, one of the more underrated wide receiver threes in all of football, which i crazy that I'm saying that. Um, but he's a very good football player. Keenan Allen is having a career year and perhaps what might be his last year of football. I mean, the guy's like 34 years old at this point. But the Chargers are great. Justin Herbert's still an awesome quarterback. Um, the running game looks pretty solid, even with a multitude of backs being involved now. Joshua Kelly is a good football player. Um, and the Raiders somehow cannot figure out how to run the ball with Josh Jacobs anymore. And Garoppolo's got a concussion, so I think Aiden O'Connell will be their starter this week. Aiden O'Connell did a lot of damage in the preseason, if that makes anyone even remotely optimistic. But Justin Herbert, just for people that need reference on, everyone knows how good Justin Herbert is, but my dad actually brought this up on the, I, I had to get my passport today, and he picked me oh, up nice. during, well, I'm going to the Bahamas like for a school oh. trip. Later. Yeah, I know. Sick. Yeah, look at me. But on the way there, he, he was listening to, you know, he's a New Yorker. He was listening to Jets radio, whatever. And he said like, oh yeah, earlier they were talking about that kid Herbert. Did you know that he went 40 for 47? 
And, like, yeah, Justin Herbert's good. There's a lot of good quarterbacks in this league. Very few will go 40 for 47 ever. Like, that is insane. Yeah, the guy's special. Without a doubt. And it's not just the talent. The ability to process plays. The ability to just go to the right place with the ball. There's a lot of talented guys in this league. I would say Justin Fields is quote-unquote special. And I'm not saying that as an insult. There's a lot of quarterbacks that are special. A lot of quarterbacks that can make all the throws. Malik Willis can make all the throws. How many guys can go 40 for 47? Not many. Because that takes a lot of the stuff up here. It takes a lot of the stuff in the brain. And I'm not calling the other guys stupid. But, I mean, what Herbert can do, not just from a physical perspective, but from a mental perspective, how he can dissect an opposing defense is really just so big for the Chargers. And it allows this offense that, you know, has pieces to really just get glued together and stand out as one of the better offenses in the NFL. Well, Patrick, also, if you want some more some more information to attest to Justin Herbert's intelligence, the guy was a 4.0 marine biology, I believe, or was biology, some form of biology major. He was an academic All-American in college. So, and he graduated with his degree. So just to throw that out there, in case that was any more... You yeah, know, yeah. So, he he may he may not be any Ryan Fitzpatrick, <laughs> but, but he's pretty damn smart. Friends. He's pretty damn kids smart, got. right? And but yeah, you you give someone with the processing power along with just the arm power, the receivers that he has against that secondary twice a year, by the way. Yeah, I, I think the Chargers might win this one. I, I Maybe. Think it's, I, yeah, a little bit of a hot take, I know. but Yeah. Now, speaking of hot takes, because this is one that's very controversial, the Cardinals playing against the 49ers in San Fran. Now, take your time with this one, because a little bit difficult. I know, we're getting to that part of the episode where it really gets tough. Oh, okay. Oh, you're just throwing me the floor. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I know. I don't want to catch you off guard. If you want, I can go guys, first. Guys, yeah, like, seriously, the Cardinals are not fooling anybody. They caught the Cowboys off guard because the Cowboys play down to their competition. The 49ers do not do that. The 49ers are going to come out and play their football. They're going to play their brand of football. C-Mac's going to have 20-plus touches, and he's going to make the most out of every single one of them. They're not going to be able to tackle Debo Samuel. They're not going to be able to stop George Kittle. And I, do, I don't know if Brandon Ayuk's coming back, but they might not even need him. I mean, the Niners are in the conversation for best team in football as well, and rightfully so. Um, they're going to be 4-0 after this one. I, I'm done. I, like, I, I really don't have anything else for you. What could the Cardinals do? Like, really, I, upsets are always possible. Any given Sunday, right? But I don't even understand where you start. Where do you start game planning here? Like, even offensively, what are you trying to do against that defense? Javon Hargrave, Nick Bosa, and Fred Warner? And Hufanga? What are you going to do? 
and corners that have really been playing well, despite us not really knowing who they are, for the record. Yeah. Um, their whole defense is playing awesome, and I think Wilkes has done a great job with this group of guys. Um, but the Cardinals, I mean, there's nothing that they can do, unfortunately. I hate to say it. Here's what they're going to do. They're going to get Josh Dobbs involved as a runner as much as they possibly can. They're going to try to take Nick Bosa out of the game by reading him. I also think there's going to be a handful of midline reads where they take Javon Hargrave out of the equation a little bit um, and maybe try to get some adv advantages there. Use Josh Dobbs' legs to your advantage. Use Marquise Brown's speed to your advantage. I think jet motion will be big just to get them out of certain coverages, maybe check to man, and then get some more favorable matchups. But offensively, it's going to be one of those games where if the offensive coordinator doesn't pull out a master class, they're not going to be able to keep up with the Niners offensively. And then defensively, I mean, the, the best thing you could do is put the game in Brock Purdy's hands. And the only way that you can do that is you got to start with the run game. And then you've got to hope that your guys can hold up in man coverage because they, like there's no zone coverage that you can play that can't be manipulated by this group of weapons. It's going to be tough. Um, but th that's the only advice I could give you, Patrick. And that's the thing too, right? You can't catch this offense off guard with certain defenses. The way Shanahan utilizes motion to reveal the pretty much exact play that the opposing defense is running before the ball is even snapped. It's so big. And it allows a quarterback like Brock Purdy that might not be the greatest guy in the world to really look so much better. And all of a sudden, Brock Purdy is looking like Tom Brady. Right? And then, imagine if Tom Brady always had Randy Moss and Rob Gronkowski at the same time. And then, oh, by the way, we also have who do you even compare CMC to? I I don't think, I don't think Brady has ever had a CMC type running back. Imagine Legarrette Blunt mixed with James White, mixed with Sony Michelle. Like imagine the good thing about every one of the running backs he played with. Yeah, and just put it all in one play. Exactly. Yeah, and that's their third target. <laughs> like it's just not fair. It really it isn't. isn't. And not to mention that guys like Ronnie Bell have come out of the, the works. And um, I believe it's Jawan Jennings. No, it's not Jawan Jennings. Um, Jennings, the wide receiver. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you know his first name? I want to do the guy justice. Yeah, um, I, I'll look at it right now. I'm pretty – I want to yeah. – Jawan is on the Saints, right? We know that. I know yeah, exactly right. who Juwan's you're the about. tight end for the Saints, so yeah. I didn't want to get one wrong. But um, here, I could pull it up right now. No, nah, I got chart. you. Uh, uh, it yeah, was Jawan. It is Juwan. There's two right. Juwans? There I is two Juwans. Yeah, but those guys have really come out of the works and look, like, very serviceable. Um, so it's not just those guys. Plus, Ray Ray McLeod has been a force as a returner. Um, the offensive line has somehow managed to replace three starters, and they all look very good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this team, sky's the limit for them, and – even without C-Mac, I mean, Elijah Mitchell is a very competent runner of the football, and they could run the football with just about anybody. And are, are we even going to acknowledge Huschik, <laughs> the best Swiss Army Knives in the league? Um, this offense has so much. You really can't stop them. I mean, it, it's amazing that we've even spent this much time talking about the, the Cardinals at the Niners. But, yeah, the Niners will win convincingly. I'm just I, pissed I that know. there's a Jawan Jennings with a W and a Jawan Jennings with a U. 
Why, why'd they that's do that? That's his business, baby. I, I guess so. Business. That That's really infuriating. But, yeah. Undoubtedly a loaded offense. A pretty much equally loaded defense against a team that, you know, it's great. They got their one win of the season. Now they get to go back to tanking. Yep. But we got to talk about the team that they lost to. Or, sorry, Thank that they you. beat Thank somehow. You. Yeah, I, I know you're happy as a Philadelphia Eagles fan. No, I'm I'm very upset, actually. Really? Can I, can I elaborate a little? Okay, first of all, Patriots and Cowboys. I've been, I've been losing sleep over this game. I don't think you understand. I picked the Jets to beat the Cowboys two weeks ago, and Cowboys fans did nothing but clown me. How about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? And then they come out and do this? I picked the Cowboys to beat the Cardinals convincingly. And then they come out, and not only do they lose, they lose in embarrassing fashion. They lose. They were never in that game. This wasn't like, oh, the Cardinals came back and won all. The Cardinals had to lead the entire time. It was embarrassing. All right? And I have wanted to pick the Patriots all week, and my roommates and my brothers have told me, don't pick the Patriots. And I ended up picking the Cowboys. I don't want to spoil my predictions. They come out in an hour. But... I'm taking the Cowboys in this game because I know it's the right decision. But Bill Belichick is going to cook, and the Patriots are going to win this football game. I'm just letting you know right now, and it's because I picked the Cowboys to win. So you're welcome, New England fans. I'm doing you a favor. I'm jinxing the Cowboys. But I can't stand this team, especially now that Trayvon Diggs is gone, especially now that everything is seemingly falling apart. Dak has never looked that good in these past three games. They've been bailed out by the fact that the teams that they've been playing have just been shooting themselves in the foot. And the first team that smacks them in the mouth is the worst team in football, and they end up beating them. So I think the Patriots come out and give them a run for their money, but the Cowboys might end up winning this one just because of Micah Parsons. Why is the one where you have a curse the one where we agree? Why is that the case? I also am taking the Dallas Cowboys. You're making me not want to because apparently you have some type of curse whenever you try and predict their games. Every time I say they're going to win, they lose. And every time I say they lose, they win. It's, I'm, it, They're cursed. <laughs> yeah, I, I really do think it, it just comes down to... You mentioned the guy. The Can I even call him a guy? Is he human? The alien? Micah Parsons. He is unreal. And there's not a single player on the Patriots' offense, that even holds a candle to him. Yeah, they don't have Trayvon Diggs. Some teams can take advantage of that. Some teams can't. The Patriots can't. The Patriots don't have one of those guys that you're like, oh, yeah, you don't have a, you don't have your cornerback one. Oh, man, you're in for a day trying to guard this guy. Like, no, the Patriots don't have someone like that. Instead, they... You know, their offense isn't awful in terms of X's and O's. I, I think it's schemed up decently well. I think Bill O'Brien has done a good job. But they really need someone to drive them home, and they don't have them. I, I think they're mediocre at pretty much every position, either that or below average. And Micah Parsons feasts on the average. Micah Parsons is going to have an absolute field day in this game. And while I think the Cowboys could struggle to score offensively, I think the Patriots are just going to have more trouble scoring. And that's really what it comes down to. It's not which offense is going to be better, which offense is going to be less bad. 
It's going to be a low-scoring this game. Is honestly, this is a game where the Patriots would do something like trot Malik Cunningham out there because they saw how well Josh Dobbs did running the football last week. And, like, this is what I'm saying. This is why the Cowboys are cursed. Because we're saying right now, we're stating the obvious and exactly what anybody that knows football would say. But the Patriots don't think like the average person do. Especially now that Bill O'Brien's back in town. This is a team that will put Malik Cunningham out there, and he'll run for 160 yards from the quarterback position. Just because they found a weakness on film that week. And you know what? I don't think that that'd be a bad play at all by them. I think it'd be the, the best decision they've ever made <laughs> as a team. <laughs> they made a lot of good decisions. I don't know about that. I I mean, may, maybe I'm wrong, but I think drafting Tom Brady in the yeah with the, the one no, 199 maybe that was would be a little bit of a better decision i'm saying this season i'm saying this season <laughs> but yeah i get yeah i get it i'm just trying to clown you you know me I, i'm yeah. a semantical semantical guy you make nah, a I slight a slight flaw in your wording i'm gonna get after you for it i, I trust me i respect it I, I i need more of that in my life so <laughs> yeah well, it, we'll take the Cowboys, but the Patriots. You know what I don't need in my life? I don't Chiefs need. Jets. I don't need a Chiefs Jets game on primetime television in my life. Oh my gosh! Why is this? I'm going to bed early <laughs> on Sunday night. Well, the reason why we know the reason why because if Aaron Rodgers were healthy, all of a sudden this is much more of a game. Yeah, but how does how does the NFL? How does Goodell not call some phone numbers and they're like, "Look, NBC." We're gonna, you're gonna be showing the Ravens, Browns, or you're gonna be showing the Dolphins, Bills, or just any other. This is the worst game to watch this week, and it's the only game to watch on Sunday night. How did they do this? <laughs> yeah, it sucks, and I, I don't know if, again, I live in New York, so I hear about all this bull from all over the place about everything going on in the Jets locker room. Just every little thing. And I don't know how much of it you're hearing, but I, I see the newspapers talking about how Wilson lost the locker room. There are people that no longer support Salah in the Jets locker room because of his support for Zach Wilson. There you know, you hear a lot you hear a lot of things from the New York media. Let's just say that. Especially when the Jets were having this much preseason hype just for it to end up being this way. And all of this drama is only going to make this New York Jets team play worse. And I'm hoping that the game really becomes a blowout early so I could stop watching without getting severe FOMO because I don't know if you could relate, but whenever I stop, if I ever stop watching a football game early or even if I like take out the trash while... A game is going on. I get severe FOMO that I'm missing some highlight play. But if a oh, team... I Sometimes I can't go to the bathroom <laughs> because I'm like, well, I need to watch us play. What if something happens? Yeah. Oh, meanwhile, me meanwhile, it's like a fourth and 30 and they're punting. Yeah. <laughs> but still, you got to watch it. Exactly. You never know when there's going to be that punt return touchdown. But all of a sudden, when the game isn't close, you, you're able to you know, do your homework while the game's on and feel a lot better about yourself. At least that's how I feel. And I'm hoping the game ends up being like this. And in case it isn't clear, I 
I'm doing everything in my power to avoid just talking about this game. Because there's not really much to analyze. There's not really much to try and predict. The Chiefs are going to win. Patrick, am I crazy to say that Zach Wilson is not only the worst starting quarterback in football right now, he is the worst rostered quarterback on any team in the league, and probably worse than some guys that aren't even on a roster right now. Mm, I The fact I need to think about that is kind of a real bad thing. Yeah. it's I've never seen a player single-handedly lose a game for their team like I've seen Zach Wilson do over the past two weeks. But it's literally it's him. He's the only problem. I mean, is Mike Glennon on a roster? No, right? No, Mike Glennon is not on a roster. Because that that that's his fighting chance, right? Mike Glennon, I think, is the worst quarterback I've ever watched play football. And that includes Nathan Peterman, who I guess is on a roster, but he's better now. Yeah, and I would honestly be more comfortable with Nathan Peterman out there than than Zach Wilson. Because it's not just the fact that he's not good at the position. It's that I don't think any of his teammates like him. Garrett Wilson doesn't like him. Oh, yeah. You don't think. Again, living in New York, I see all the headlines on all these newspapers. We know the locker room doesn't like him. We know the only reason that he is starting is because Salah refuses to admit he's wrong. Which, by the way, if you want to be a successful coach in this league, you got to be able to admit when you're wrong. Look at what Shanahan did with Trey Lance, who was in that same exact draft class. He didn't even give Trey Lance a season starting. He gave him one start or two starts. He got injured the second one. And he knew to get rid of him. Meanwhile, we've seen all this from Zach Wilson. He's no longer a rookie. We can't just say, oh, he's a rookie. It's fine. He has played awful. Last year, he had, sorry, last week, he had 4.4 yards per passing attempt. That is awful. That is terrible. Sure, he didn't turn the ball over, but who cares if you're throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage every play? That means, yeah, I was going to say, that means he's throwing the ball for negative yards almost as much as he's throwing it down the field. Because you got to think they take at least one or two shots well, a game. And they took, th- they threw the ball 36 times. It's not like that was on a small sample size. That was 36 attempts. Yeah. Only completed 18 of them, by the way. One of them was a 29-yard pass. I wonder how it looks when you remove that 29-yard pass. Point is, I think Zach Wilson might be kind of bad at football. And in that case, I don't think that the I don't think the Chiefs are going to lose this one, believe it or not, guys. And and the way their defense is playing, I can't see the Jets putting up a single point. The Jets or the Chiefs might have a top 10 defense in football. Oh, might. I think they definitely do. Yeah, well yeah. I, I, I was going to say top five, and then I stopped myself. But I also think that they could be that good as well. They're they, playing. I mean, stuff. they could be. I, I got to tell you, man, there's a lot of unsung heroes on that defense. You got George Karlaftis, who I think has had a good year, man. Yes. Him, Bolton, had a tremendous year last year, and he's still really damn good. McDuffie. Yeah, McDuffie. Uh-oh. And it's McDuffie. young guys. It's a lot of yes. young guys, and that's why you got to love it. Even Leo Chanel. He's someone that doesn't Leo see the Chanel. field that often, but when he's on the Mike field. Dana, like all these guys that are no names. Mike Dana was a middle linebacker when he got drafted. Now he's playing D tackle. And we're not even mentioning the massive the man in the room, Chris Jones, because we don't need to. 
it goes without saying. Yeah. At this point. This is a defense that can really, really wreak havoc, even when they're not playing against one of the worst offenses in the league with the worst rostered quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. I We should just move on because this is making me more oh. angry. I, want, I wanted the Jets to be good so bad. Everyone and did. Everyone here. did. Although, that being said, I'm not a, I don't like Aaron Rodgers very much, so. It's not even – I just want to – But I definitely wanted them to like make it to the playoffs, Garrett. right? Yeah. I just wanted to be good for Garrett Wilson and Quentin Williams and everybody else on that team. But, yeah, all right. Before I before I start crying, <laughs> let's go to Seahawks-Giants on Monday night. <laughs> yeah. This one, I, I mean, I think this should be a pretty good game, but I, I still have Seattle. Oh, and I still have Seattle as well, but I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be really close. I think it's going to come down to the last drive. But where this, what this really comes down to is Geno Smith is the better quarterback with the better weapons. And although the offensive line is young, they haven't necessarily played poorly. Um, I mean, they hung 38 on the Lions, which is crazy. Because the Lions took an offense that was running the football just about as good as anybody and held them to, what, six last week. Um, but, yeah, the Seahawks are legit, man. I still have them winning the division. I have that bet cooked up. 15 to win like 150 because I'm crazy. But I love the Seahawks. But the Giants are still they're, – they're a respectable team too. Without a doubt. Saquon, I like to hope, is going to play in this game. I think that's going to be a key part of this actually being a close game because if he doesn't, well, I feel far less confident in that Giants offense. Although the Seahawks defense isn't some truly great unit. I, a lot of injuries. A lot of injuries. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Jamal Adams comes back next week, right? Yeah, supposedly. He's not yeah, he's not playing not this game. Even when he does, it's going to be interesting when he comes back because what he suffered in terms of injury, it was a really bad one. Yeah. But for me, I, I have Seattle winning because the Giants' defense, I don't think, matches up very well. Well, Deontay Banks won't be playing either. They're, That's uh, such a huge pick. part of it. But even if he does, I mean. If he gets lock, if he gets matched up on Lockett, sure. But as physical as Banks is, and I love Deontay Banks, I loved him out of college. I don't know if he could press DK Metcalf yet. <laughs> I, I don't think many human beings on the planet can do that, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's true. Let alone a rookie, right? So there's a lot of truth to that. But the point is, someone's going to have to guard DK Metcalf. And I don't think they really have someone that can. And, oh, let's say we do. Okay, what about Tyler Lockett? Okay, we have someone to guard him too? All right, what about JSN? Oh, what about now Charbonnet all of a sudden is doing damage running the ball. And Ken Walker is a legit receiving threat out of the backfield. And it's all, all this stuff. Oh, and they not to mention they use all three of their tight ends who have multiple receptions. Yeah, exactly. Will Disley, Will Disley's a force for some reason. No offense. Um, had a breakout since he's went to Seattle. And then not to mention Cody Parkinson. Too. Like, they yeah. have a three-headed monster at tight end. They're really solid in the backfield. They have probably a top five receiver trio in the NFL um, with three guys that, like, none of them are, you know, game breakers, but all of them are could could break a game. Yeah. It's <laughs> Best and that's and that's exactly it. This offense doesn't have like a go-to weapon, but they have the most well-rounded grouping of weapons, probably in the entire league. 
I would say so. When you consider the backfield, the tight ends, and then mm-hmm. the the wide receivers with the depth they have there, even that Bobo kid that they took, Jake Bobo, um, yeah, um, who went undrafted because his forty time was so slow, but then he turns out to be quite a legit wide receiver himself. I mean, like they got they got guys, man, and the Giants are just not going to be able to stop them. I think the Seahawks hang quite a few points, especially with an extra day to prepare. I think this offense comes out as a day. It's not about the Giants really stopping that offense. It's more about how how much can the Giants score in order to keep up. This game has to end up being a shootout, right? Oh, I'm taking the over for sure. Yeah. This Without could be a, a shootout. And like you said, it comes down to the quarterback. And I think most people will agree Geno's the better quarterback. Even though I have a lot of respect for Daniel Jones, but I mean, Daniel Jones throwing to... The plumbers and firemen, yeah. unfortunately. Not to, you know, downplay Jalen Hyatt or Wandale Robinson or any of those guys, but it's just you look on paper, Seahawks receivers next to Giants receivers, you're like, are they even playing in the same league? Yeah. It's College. not fair. And Waller yeah. really hasn't taken the step he needed to. Oh, you're telling me I got him in both my fantasy leagues. I have right him in now. one of mine. Guys costing me money. Yeah. Um, it it Oh, yeah, Waller's been a problem and not a good problem to have, I should say that. And then Saquon out. I mean, Andrew Thomas, I don't think, is playing in this game. It, the offense can't keep up, and the defense, there's just too much not going well for the Giants right now for us this, to even The good thing them. for the Giants, this is probably going to be the cleanest pocket that Daniel Jones has all season. Yes. And that's with Andrew Thomas maybe not playing maybe he is i'm not overly sure but even if he's out i mean this pass rush that seattle has isn't very good so it's going to be nice to see daniel jones operate without getting his head knocked off every play but i i still have them losing this and i think a lot of people will agree on that yeah totally so is there anything else you want to say before we wrap it up because i, I think that's all we got um, we're shooting for 16-0 and 0 this week on the predictions. Um, I do this every week, obviously. The goal is to get all of them right. But um, as long as I watch, I'm just telling you, Patrick, right now, watch the Cowboys be the only incorrect prediction. If that happens, especially because that's one of the, I, I want to say less than, I want to say we had like six games we both agreed on. Maybe I'm wrong. Eh, it might have been more like eight. Nine, but I think we re- agreed on a majority of them. But yeah, yeah, a, a majority. I'm just not sure how large. So it probably was like nine. But if yeah, if we're both wrong about that one, I'm absolutely blaming you. A hundred percent. Then the curse is real. A hundred. Yeah. Then the curse is real. A hundred percent. But you haven't plugged your content yet, and I really okay. recommend you do because. You make some damn good content, and I want the fans of the show to listen to it. Well, yeah. So um, on YouTube, it's just Between the Tackles, uh, or you could search Dominic Minicozzi. It's going to be the first thing that comes up. Um, I have a handful of videos out right now. I haven't made one in a little bit of time because school is, you know, it's college. I'm in my senior year. We got stuff going on. Um, And then on TikTok, every single Wednesday night at 11 p.m., we got my weekly predictions. My favorite thing to do. I really love doing it. Um, so we have that, and then we have a multitude of other things. I make short videos and whatnot. 
But yeah, it's me between the tackles on TikTok, just one word between the tackles. And then just search up my name, Dominic Minicozzi, or Between the Tackles on YouTube. And then if you want to follow me on Insta, Dominic underscore Minicozzi. Keep up with my life, how I'm doing. I travel the world. I do cool things. I eat good food. I love football. So if you're interested in any of that, keep up with the people. But that's all I got, Patrick. Thank you so much for having me on, man. This Thank you for coming on. And if yeah. you guys want to listen to my content, of course, because it is my show, uh, Feel free to check out at No Huddle NFL on TikTok and Instagram. That is at No Huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces. Also available on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it, at No Huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces with an underscore at the end. That is again at No Huddle NFL, no capitals and no spaces with an underscore at the end. It was a pleasure having you on, Dom. And I hope you all enjoyed the episode. I'll see you all again next week.